Well, as Eric said to me in the text this morning, this is one of those Joseph-like mornings where things don't go uh, quite as you plan, but it's appropriate as we're in the middle of a, a story that definitely didn't go the way Joseph planned, but certainly went the way that the Lord planned. Um, and so I, I just want to pick up on one little thread from last week in chapter 39 of Genesis um, that I, I found really encouraging in my study, but just couldn't fit it into the already um, jam-packed sermon. So uh, we're just going to look at that for a few minutes this morning, and, uh, and then we'll share the Lord's Supper together and uh, enjoy our, our afternoon. Uh, so turn to Genesis chapter 39. I just want to remind you of a portion of what we read last week, remind you that Joseph has been sold by his brothers into slavery. Those slave traders have sold Joseph to Potiphar, who is Pharaoh's uh, captain of the guard. And so Joseph has been serving in Potiphar's house, and the Lord has been with him. This was the theme of last week. The Lord was with him, with him, with him, with him, um, and gave him success. And he served well so that the household of Potiphar flourished, bless you, uh, flourished under Joseph's service, the Lord being with him to make that happen. And we talked about how part of what it meant for Joseph to be successful was that he understood that he had to have known the promises given to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that the Lord had promised, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing to others. And that was um, the mission of Joseph, and we see that, we see him living that out in chapter 39. But in the midst of living successfully in the blessing of God and giving the blessing of God to others, uh, Joseph is seduced to sin. Um, and so let me, let me just read that section. It actually is the centerpiece of that chapter. But I want to read that section, and um, before you begin to think that this is going to be a, a, a little pastoral excursus on um, watching out for sin, it is, but maybe not quite the way you thought. So listen to the Word of God. Just stay seated, and then I'll pray, and, and we'll jump in for a few minutes. Now Joseph, this is verse 6 of chapter 39 of Genesis. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And so you see, again, Joseph is already is continuing to live in the blessing of being God's person, <laughs> living in the blessing of being God's. 
And so in his mind, to do this is a sin against this God who has blessed him with relationship with him. And then he also is remembering his purpose, that he is there to be a blessing to others, and including Potiphar's wife. It would not be a blessing to her for him to indulge in the activity she's inviting him to. And it would not be good for Potiphar. It would not be good for his household. It would not be good for Joseph. So he's living out that calling that he's been giving, given. So how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph, day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. And so you know the rest of the story, that uh, one day he is there working in the house, but all the other men of the house are gone, and she uh, grabs him by his coat, seems like coats get Joseph in a lot of trouble, Um, grabs him by the coat, and he runs, and she grabs him and says, lie with me, and he runs and leaves his coat in her hand, and she uses that as circumstantial evidence to prove that he had tried to uh, have his way with her, and so he ends up being falsely accused and sent to the prison that Potiphar actually um, is in charge of. So that's, that's the story, and um, it's this verse 10, as she spoke to Joseph day after day, that I want us to think about for a few minutes. Let me pray. Father, would you help me? <laughs> uh, as these thoughts are, are fresh, and um, I appreciate you helping us to, to think clearly about them and to hear what you would have to say to us and encourage us with this morning as your people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So let me make it clear here that Potiphar's wife here um, is not, this is not meant to, to make us, uh, oh, women are scary and dangerous. Potiphar's wife here is an example of what any kind of sin, and this isn't, our application of this passage isn't just in the area of sexual sin. Potiphar's wife represents, in this case, sin itself and its seductive power. Uh, It hearkens us back, as I said last week, to the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve were given everything as second in command to God. They were given everything in the Garden to enjoy and to live in the blessing of his mission to bless others. Um, It's any kind of sin that would pull us away from that calling we have in our lives. And the promise... That was for Joseph, that we talked about last week, is for us, even in this seduction scenario, that the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us in the day-to-day onslaught of sin's lies. Um, And here, just this little phrase in verse 10, as she spoke, and as she spoke with Joseph day after day, that day after day, it was like a dripping faucet, it just kept going and going and going and going. And she kept coming back to him, inviting him, inviting him, inviting him. And he had to 
keep resisting and resisting and resisting. Well, one of the commentators pointed out that there's an opposite kind of day-to-dayness in the Christian life. Um, a day-to-dayness of the Lord being with us that we have the privilege of practicing uh, that is even better than what Joseph had the privilege of practicing. Now, Joseph knew the Lord was with him, um, but he didn't know Jesus. Jesus had not yet come. And we have the privilege of having Jesus not only with us, but in us. So let me just think about three things this morning. The Lord is with us on this side of the cross and in the empty tomb. Um, In the day-to-day onslaught of sins, lies, and deception against us, he's with us by the Spirit of Jesus. He's with us in the exhortation and encouragement of our brothers and sisters, and he's with us in um, the daily um, gatherings that we have with one another. So he's with us, think about it this way, he's with us individually by the Spirit of Jesus being with us and in us. He's with us one-on-one with our brothers and sisters, or one, two, two or three, and then he's with us in gatherings like this and other corporate gatherings uh, that we have as believers together. I just want to look at a, uh, those three very quickly. Um, in John 14, and you can turn there. I don't have all of these on the screen. On John four, in John 14, the night before Jesus was crucified, he was encouraging and teaching his disciples And he said this to them in John 14, 15. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now you think of Joseph. If you love me, Joseph, you will keep my commandments. How how are we going to keep his commandments? He goes on. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The fact that he said another helper must mean that this is another helper like him. Another helper will be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He's talking about his spirit, the Holy Spirit. Um, When Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans, he's about to leave. He's about to leave them. This is Thursday night on Sunday. He's going to ascend into heaven and he'll be gone. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. How is he going to come to them? He's going to come to them by his spirit and this When we think of the Holy Spirit, we need to think of him as the spirit of Jesus, the living, breathing, walking around in the flesh, Jesus, who now is with the disciples as much as he ever was when he was with them in present, but now even more so. Jesus indicated that it would be even better for them. The spirit would not, Jesus was in with them, but now the spirit of Jesus would be in them. And who is this spirit? He calls him the helper. 
and some translations say comforter or advocate. It's the word paraclete. You may have heard that the Holy Spirit is called the paraclete before. And it literally just means someone who's called, to, called alongside someone else. So Jesus is saying, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to orphan you, abandon you. Um, I'm going to come alongside you by my spirit. And so, friends, in the daily onslaught of the seduction of sin to woo us away from the living God, uh, we have the promise from Jesus himself that he, by his spirit, will, is coming alongside us, and not only coming alongside us, but coming along inside us to be with us. Even better than the, Lord, the way the Lord was with Joseph in his temptation, Jesus is with us in ours. And so that's why I believe when Jesus teaches us to pray the Lord's Prayer, that's why it's so daily. Give us a, this day our daily bread. And many Bible teachers believe that the whole prayer is meant to be daily, including the part that comes next, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's a daily uh, dependence on the Spirit of Jesus to lead us not into temptation, to defeat us um, with himself and to protect us from the evil one. So individually we uh, can have that promise of Jesus being with us and in us by his spirit. Now, that was Joseph's situation. He had no one there to help him stay true to the living God. He had no one there to exhort him. Amen. Don't forget the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who's blessed you and has called you to be a blessing. Don't forget. He had no one there but the Lord himself. And there's Plenty of times when we're going to find ourselves in those situations, when no one's there to help us. But because the Spirit of Jesus is also now in other followers of Jesus, we have even more help. We have even more help. And that's the next part. We have the help of the exhortation and encouragement of our brothers and sisters. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. I mean, chapter 3, excuse me. Hebrews 3. Listen to these verses and think about Potiphar's wife, Mrs. Potiphar, day after day, wooing Joseph, inviting Joseph. Chapter 3, verse 1, and then I'm going to skip to verse 12. The writer to the Hebrews says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. That word consider means think about, take heart about him, consider, meditate on him, think about him. He's the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now look at verse 12. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day. 
There it is. That's the day by day after day that helps us with the day after day of the seduction of our sin. Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. And as it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So, like Mrs. Potiphar, the writer to the Hebrews is saying that sin is seducing you and wooing you day after day to fall away from the living God, to have an unbelieving and hardened heart against him. Um, sin is pictured here as waging a constant battle to deceive and harden our hearts against the Lord Jesus. In fact, the whole letter to the Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians, Jewish followers of Jesus who have professed to be his disciples, who were being tempted to fall back into Judaism. This, being, this following Jesus thing is hard. So they're being tempted to fall back into their old life, into what they, once, what they once knew. And so the whole letter to the Hebrews, and actually it's a sermon to the Hebrews, is, is an exhortation to say, Jesus is better. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than the sacrifices. He fulfills all of those. Jesus is better. Jesus is better because the temptation that is coming at our hearts day after day after day is Jesus is not enough. Jesus is not enough. There's something better. There's something better. And it's the same lie that was told in the garden to Adam and Eve. God is not enough. There's something better. There's something else you need. And so he's exhorting them to say, you need to help each other remember that Jesus is better. Christ is better. You share in, you participate in Jesus himself. He's better. He's better. Exhort one another every day because sin is coming after you day after day after day. A friend of mine, uh, sometimes when we talk, he and I talk every week and we encourage each other, um, but he often says to me that uh, Bonhoeffer used to say that sometimes when my heart has a hard time believing uh, and trusting Jesus and the voice of Jesus in his word that I have, sometimes it's better for me to hear the voice of Jesus in the voice of my brother. And I texted him this morning. I said, can you tell me where Bonhoeffer said that? Because that's exactly what we're talking about here in Hebrews 3. And he sent it to me. And this is, this is what Bonhoeffer said. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, pastor during World War II in Germany. And he wrote this book called Life Together. And it was about this community of 25 seminary students, 25 men that he was training, and they lived in community together. And this is what he said. He said, if somebody asks a Christian, where is your salvation, your righteousness, he can never point to himself. He points to the word of God in Jesus Christ, which assures him of salvation and righteousness. 
he is as alert as possible to this word, the word about Jesus. Because he daily hungers and thirsts for righteousness, he daily desires the redeeming word. And he goes on. He said, but God has put his word into the mouth of men. Now, he's speaking to only men who are in that community, but we could say women too. God has put his word into the mouth of men and women in order that it may be communicated to other men and women. When one person is struck by the word, he speaks it to others. God has willed that we should seek and find his living word in the witness of a brother or sister, in the mouth of a man or a woman. Therefore, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged, for by himself he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother man or his sister woman as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother or sister slow, uh, solely because of Jesus Christ. This is the sentence. It sounds odd at first. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother or sister. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. And by that, he doesn't mean that Christ is actually weak. He means that the experience of Christ and the blessing of knowing him in, in me is sometimes weak. And so I need to call Steve. And I need to hear Steve preach the gospel to me again. And tell me about Jesus and make Jesus big to me again. I need, Je I need Steve to woo me to Jesus. Let's put, it, let's put it even more in an edgy way. I need Jesus, I need Steve to seduce me to Jesus. Because sin is constantly seducing and wooing me away from him. And so we need each other. Sometimes the gospel is more sure in the mouth of your brother or sister than it is in your own heart. And that's what Hebrews 3 is saying. Take care lest there be in, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The word exhort is from the same Greek word as helper, comforter, advocate, paraclete. So since you and I have the paraclete, the spirit of Jesus in us who comes alongside us, then we can also paraclete with one another, come alongside one another and remind each other of Jesus. Jesus is better. Jesus can be trusted. Jesus loves you. He has not abandoned you. You have the spirit of Jesus in you to fight whatever sin is wooing you to. And we need to help each other remember that. And I would say, not just before we sin, but after. So when one of you falls into something uh, that you know is a sin against God, 
go to a brother or sister who loves you, who knows the grace of God, who knows the gospel of God, who knows Jesus well, and will woo you back to him, back to his mercy, back to his grace, and remind you of who you are in Jesus. So, the Lord is with us, not only individually because he's with us and in us by the Spirit of Jesus, but he's with us in our one-on-one or one-on-a-few relationships with other believers. Um, And then, finally, he's with us when we meet in larger groups like this. Um, I read to you in Hebrews 3 that the preacher to the Hebrews said, consider Jesus. There's only one other time that word consider is used in Hebrews, and it's in chapter 10. And you'll be very familiar, I think, with this verse, these two verses. Chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It says, let us consider. Think really hard about is what that word means. So he says early in the book, let us consider Jesus. Let us think really hard about him. Pay attention to him. Keep our minds fixed on him, our hearts fixed on him. And now he says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. That's the same paraclete word encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What this is actually saying is, let us consider one another in a way that stirs each other up to love and good works. Let us consider Jesus, think really hard about him, pay attention to him, and then let us consider and think about and pay attention to one another in a way that stirs us to love Jesus and love people and do the good that he's called us to do, including saying no to the seduction of sin. So I want to ask, friends, do you have a couple of those kind of brothers or sisters in your life who you consider and you really think about, you know them so well that you know what it sounds like when sin is wooing your brother or sister. You know what it sounds like because you know them so well. You know what their patterns are. They've, you, we've, you've talked about it. Do you have people who have considered you well enough to know your patterns and to talk about the ways that you're being wooed so that then you can paraclete, come alongside of each other by the power of the Spirit of Jesus who is inside and alongside you and say, don't forget, Jesus is better. Don't forget, Jesus is better. Come on. Or after they failed, Jesus is waiting. He's ready to forgive. There's more mercy in him than there is sin in you. Come back, come back. And he says in that verse, don't neglect meeting together. 
as some have been prone to do. And so, not only in our individual conversations, but in our corporate gatherings like this, we're here to exhort one another and to say to one another, Jesus is better. You tell me that you think Jesus is better just by showing up, just by being here week after week after week, just by coming to this table and showing that as as your body needs food and drink to survive, you're saying by coming to this table, I need Jesus in order to survive, and he's better. I want Jesus to ruin my appetite for everything that's wooing me and saying, Come be with me. Come be with me. So, friends, th- those were really the thoughts that, that I had that someone else spurred as I was studying last week, thinking about sin coming after Joseph day after day after day. And we who are filled with the Spirit of Jesus, need to come after each other day after day after day and, and woo each other to Christ. If you're already doing that, keep doing it. If you're not, find someone who will woo you to Jesus and find someone whom you can woo to him as well. Father, help us to continue to be that kind of congregation. That we don't neglect meeting together to help each other remember that Jesus is better. I need that help. All of us need that help. So would you come, Spirit of Jesus, and make us hungry and thirsty for you. And then would you give us our daily bread. Thank you for this table and the reminder um, that you taste better, that you satisfy. Would you come and satisfy us now in Jesus' name, amen.